team building and team performance, a very serious topic, but really fun to develop. I'm Patrick Magier, and today my guest is Michel Masquelier, former CEO of IMG Media, one of the really big wigs in the world of sports and media, and a fantastic leader. Welcome, Michel, to our podcast today. I'm very proud to have you with us. You have once been one of the largest TV brokers in the world. Uh, in, in your company, you've brokered more than 10,000 hours of TV production, of, of TV product around the world. And at the end of your career, being such a, a powerful media person, you actually wrote a book, which is called This Is Not a Dress Rehearsal. By the way, a book I recommend for everybody. But what triggered you to actually write that book? Hi, Patrick. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, what triggered that? I, I wanted to give back. Uh, you know, I had a, a wonderful career. I went from intern to chairman. And uh, somebody like me who come from Belgium, no specific uh, background, couldn't speak English, decided to kind of uh, live the life, live the adventure. And, uh, and I've kind of lived a number of uh, authentic stories and experience, which I have compiled into this book under the umbrella of, I would say, six to ten advice. And the sort of advice I would have loved to receive when I started my career. So why, why have I written that book is because I want to share with the entrepreneurs of tomorrow, the decision makers tomorrow, the people who want to do something with their life. And hopefully, maybe I get a spark, a little bit of enthusiasm, a little bit of uh, helping people to boost their confidence, uh, to be more uh, audacious, whatever it is. And, and that's basically why I did it. And actually, very early on in the book, you start with this chapter, who are you? And there's this legendary question of Michel Masculier doing interviews um, where you ask the people, are you a fish or are you a bird? What's the background of that question? Well, the background, if I, if I uh, go back perhaps 40 years, I was at the university and I was studying law and I was involved in all sorts of activities where I was much more performant than in my studies, to tell you the truth. I was academically pretty poor, but I was, a, um, I was organizing political debate. I was organizing the 24 hours cycling on the campus. <laughs> Um, public speaking competition, uh, fastest beer drinking, whatever you name it, I was I was part of it, and I was spending more time during the night than during the day being active, and uh, and I didn't know who I was, uh, but effectively I was a promoter. Uh, later on, when I got my uh, my degree, I said I'm going to do something else, but I'm not going to be a lawyer. So I decided to kind of search my soul and. And, and, uh, and, and, and discovered the world to a certain extent. I went to America, I went to the UK, I said, well, I think the UK is a place for me. I had no money, I didn't know anybody, could even speak English. But I managed to get myself uh, in, the, in, in, in various group of people, in, and including a law firm where they asked me exactly the same question that I've been asking ever after. I've hired many people, and, and they said, what can you do for us? 
And I say, well, I'd like to learn. I'd like you to give me the opportunity of, uh, of helping. And, and if I can't do anything in the context of law, I'll serve the tea or the coffee or going to drop things. I clean the carpet, whatever. And they found that quite funny. So they give me that job. And I, and I found it, that's quite interesting. And I've kind of discovered that, you know, to be audacious um, can pay off. But then this is where, like, uh, the, the luck strike. I was reading a book, All What They Don't Teach You at Harvard Business School, written by Mark McCormack. And in that book, I said, oh, my gosh, I mean, this is, this is who I am. This is my DNA. I want to be a promoter. This is what I've been doing in the past. And this is my passion. I got to come to that very key word in a second. So uh, it happened that this law firm was the, the firm that Mark McCormack, IMG, was using for the UK uh, affairs. And I said, do you mind uh, recommending me there? So I got an IMG, an interview at IMG, and they asked me the same question. Why should we hire you? And I said, guys, I speak French. I've got great contacts. I got to sell sponsorship. And by the way, I'm happy to offer my services for free until I make money for you, and then you start paying me. And that was the beginning of my career, and I've, and I've stayed in the business for 30 years. So back to your point, who are you? I want to make sure that the people I hire who come into my, uh, uh, my team, they have a number of ingredients, a good sense of understanding who they are and where they're going to contribute in the business. Have a good understanding of where their passion is. Why? Because without the passion, you're not going to go the extra mile. And the success is in the extra mile. So when I'm asking people, are you a fish, are you a bird? I mean, apart from the f flying fish, I just say, if somebody is a producer, well, I mean, that's the area where he's going to perform. If the guy is a sales guy, you know. But I, I'm very surprised to see how many people get into uh, the, the real life jumping from the world of academic into the world of the real world and not knowing where their talents are, where their potential is and, and knowing which button to press in order to exploit it to, to the best of their ability. But I think actually, I, I know there's a short chapter in your book that says school do not train stars. And, and as you know, I fully agree with you because I believe that we are doing too little in our education curriculums to really help young people to understand who they are, what their talents are. Um, and, and you, like I, had the luck to get along moments and people that helped you discover that. Um, but if you were to, to tell a young person today the advice, what, what do you need to do to discover who you are? What's okay. what's the best very, way of finding out? Very good question. And, and this is almost like the underlying message in the book. Uh, but if I start by kind of acknowledging somehow that there is a there is a paradox, an interesting paradox. While you are at school or in an academic environment, you have a series of standardized tests and it's called the exams. If you succeed in your exams, you're successful, I and mean, if you fail in your exam, you're a loser. Maybe you're in a dropper, a dropout, which was nearly my case. And what I found extraordinary is that in the real life, we're not dealing with standardized tests. You know, if you're going to be successful, it's not because you're standard; it's because you are exceptional. 
And and imagine that there is going to be 10 people before you when you go for a job interview and 10 people after you. You're going to go all to all sorts of uh, uh, questions and answers and and uh, and people are going to look at you and try to find why me? What's my X factor? And the answer to your question is exactly that. What's my X factor? Why am I going to be the one chosen uh, to work into this company? Why do you have more chances in uh, starting in, in working in this startup? Why do you have more chances attracting investor in my business? And that is what people need to absolutely focus and cultivate, understanding who you are. What's your passion? And where is it that I'm going to be the one chosen amongst the others? Imagine you walk in a nightclub or a disco whatsoever and you want to, I don't know, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but you want to seduce one person, but you're not the only guy out there. So why are you the one who is going to be attracting that all the other way around? And, and I think that's, you know, the real life when you are confronted with so many unusual situations, not textbook, not something that you have studied at school. By the way, many of the students today are getting into university. The job that they're going to have in the future doesn't exist today. So how do you train people, you know, with textbooks questions to resolve problems which are not textbook? And that's basically the point of somebody who is street smart, somebody who's got a great sense of um, uh, observation, will develop a, a second nature of creativity and innovation. And that's really where I see this is the, 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 the name of the game, really. It's, uh, it's the ability to, um, to, be, to be different, to think outside of the box, perhaps. So I know that we are very similar in that view, that when we try to put together a team, we try to find as many as possible of these different X factors and put them in. But what, what do you say to the people that always come back and say, yeah, but you first need to get take care of your weaknesses? Yeah, I mean, nobody's perfect, that's for sure. Um, I, I did uh, two days ago uh, a lecture at the EPFL of Lausanne, Ecole Polytechnique de Lausanne, and the, and the subject of... Uh, the, uh, the debate was how you learn from your failure, okay? And I think that failure is an, it's an, it's part of the equation. It's a component of your success story. Why? Because the true nature of knowledge is experimentation. Nobody was born with the knowledge. Nobody. Everybody had to go into a process of learning, experimenting, with the positive and the negative, understanding your weakness and understand where you're better, work on, on your weaknesses, but most importantly, learn from your mistake. And that is absolutely key. If you don't dare to take risks and to be prepared to you know, have failure, then I don't think you're gonna progress. And experimentation is exactly that. Imagine for a second, somebody walks on a ring and gets hit is by a boxer. So that's, that's he wants to be a fighter. He gets hit. What does he learn from being hit? He learns three things. The first one, he can take the hit. The second one, he will learn how to avoid. And the third one, through this observation, he will appreciate that the fighter in front of him will get, perhaps expose himself and therefore hit and, 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 uh, 
and be more impactful. And that's that's what life is about. So, you know, it's all too much, as far as I'm concerned, it's all about experimentation, observation, which drives to innovation and therefore success. I have, as a manager, never been able to get one of my colleagues to make a strength out of a weakness. So that's one of the reasons why I always try to find teams where there's people with multiple strengths because I don't believe in weaknesses turning around to become strengths immediately. I mean, I can talk from about myself. My weakness is my um, inability to perform in an environment like school and the academics. And therefore, I have developed, I think, the ability to live and survive in order to make a name for myself outside of this area. And I became a leader probably for that reason. Uh, Michel, there's, there's one last point I'd really like to touch on with you, because I know you have a very clear position on that. There's a chapter in your book that is called Network with Intention, and I quote, I used to tell my colleagues to devote time to socializing. Now, if you read the chapter, it becomes very clear why you say that. But what I'm very interested in, what it doesn't say in there, do you believe that virtual teams can ever be as effective as on-site teams? Or do you think because of this lack of socializing, that is not possible? Um. Uh, the short answer is yes. I, 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 I'm a great fan of Zoom because it saves you time. It's so much more cost efficient, right? But the true nature, and of course, every business is different. In the business where I was, I was, I was driving uh, the world's largest uh, independent distribution network. So we've opened something like 40 offices around the world. I had to recruit people, I had to train people, and I had to manage people. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, being the middleman between governing body and broadcaster, you know, I don't think this is a business that you can do behind a computer. So all of the sales, first of all, the first thing I did when I had my core sales guy around me, I got all the partition of the office out. So I wanted people to hear, speaking to each other, etc., and basically motivating. But beyond that, I was telling people, don't spend your time in the office. You have a budget, travel and entertainment. Please spend it making relationship. And, and, uh, and the more time you spend in the office, the less time you'll be able to have a portfolio of contact. And that was very much the nature of our business. So socializing, creating new contact, and, and basically try to push yourself to go beyond. So, for instance, uh, on a regular basis, when we have our sales conference, I say, well, I would like to hear about the new contact. Not the contact that you have, but who are the new people you've met this week, this month? And, and if you know um, a marketing director, if you try to meet with the president, why don't you dare to go and try to establish a relationship with people at the very top? And... That's basically what I'm trying to say in, um, in, in that chapter of the book is I came from nothing and I've only been to the position where I was for a number of reasons. But one very key reason, I was a compulsive socializer. And even now, my career being behind, I find it extraordinarily uh, rewarding to meet new people, to discover new faces, to understand how people are thinking, 
And and that's not happening behind a computer in, in Zoom call, I'm afraid. Yeah, you, you, you know, of course, by definition, with the new program we have made, we believe that technology has advanced. I personally think Zoom is not able to create social presence. I don't think teams can do that either. But I believe that the platforms like Spatial Chat can. But I'd like to end this by saying, it's always a pleasure talking with you, whether it's in a podcast, at a dinner, in a train. Uh, it always inspires me, and I'm I'm very thankful for, for knowing you. Um, well, it's a great pleasure, Michelle. We know each other for many years, and you've had a career. We were we were fighting in the same trenches, but you were my boss in certain extent when you were you used to. Uh, I think it was at the America's Cup, and I was representing your right, and then again. While you were uh, in the in the world of athletics, and and I was trying to convince you that we were the best in generating revenue, you've always been an innovator. And what you're doing right now, uh, of forward thinking, is just to take this kind of two-dimensional uh, communication process and to bring a third dimension into that. And that's probably where you're going to be um, uh, again your, your your creative spirit and your spirit of innovation is going to be um, an, another one of your success stories. So I wish you all the very best. Oh, such a great flattering. We right now need to stop. We go. Thanks a lot, Michelle. <laughs> all the best. Cheers. Thank you for listening to our Mission Team podcast. Do not forget to register for the next episode and visit us on mission-team.com.